everybody. This is Dan Horn, uh, one of the writers at thecomicbookpen.com. And soon to be editor. Yeah, soon to be editor. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> um, and today it's just me and uh, Hervé, uh, the editor in chief of the Comic Book Pen. Um, we had uh, some plans fall through this week, but we decided that we wanted to uh, go full steam ahead and discuss uh, some of the stuff that was going on this week. And next week, uh, we'll have the guys, uh, Eric Hendricks, Vice President of uh, Marketing, and a uh, writer over at Arcana Comics, and um, artist Michael Nelson on the program. So, you can look forward to that, but for now, uh, I hope you'll enjoy our discussion today. Uh, how are you doing, Herve? Uh, good. So, uh, what's going on? Have you read anything? New or interesting this week? Um, the only comic I've read this week was one of those Malaysian comics. Okay. So I'm due to write the article, and when I say read, it's kind of difficult to read. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I assume there's a language barrier. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I haven't had time. Like, I've got a, a lot of them to read. There's a, I've got like 10 more. I don't know how many. I've got a bunch of them to read it write about for the bin. Um, that one is from an article called Zint. It's quite popular in Malaysia. Uh, I actually got several of his books. Um, it's it's a sci- sci-fi story. I think I've got it in front of me. It's called User. Um, it's from what I get. It's kind of um, it's like some kind of video game or virtual reality game that people play. Uh, they put those goggles on their faces and they have those uh, handheld whatever they are and they, I don't know exactly what the game is about um, but it's like they go inside a virtual world and they just uh, they don't really fight like it's like they swipe cards at each other or something okay. like that or something <laughs> so digital it's kind of like a uh, Yu-Gi-Oh type thing or yeah yeah uh, but obviously a little bit more mature than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still have to do some research on that mm-hmm. before I can actually like write the article. Um, yeah. So not easy because I mean I, I've lived lived through it. Um, I guess it's all. It could be like a matrix type of thing. Uh, but one thing I did like about that book is that there are a couple of pages where you see uh, women with. Um, what is it called? Those things that they wear on their hair uh, when Muslim women wear. The, um... Uh, habab, habish, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. Uh, so they wear them. So I thought that was cool because that... that This is... A, uh, Malaysia is a Muslim country. Uh, compared to uh, Thailand next to it, which is Buddhist. So when I went in Malaysia, I mean, a lot of women were wearing those uh, on their head. So what I found cool is that the fact that, um, well, there's not all of the women obviously in the comic uh, wear the habish, hibab, or whatever it's called. Not all of them wear them, but uh, you could see some that wore them, and I think it's cool because it's really reflecting that it, it's it's Malaysian comic. Yeah. It's not Japanese. It's not even. It's a manga, obviously. It's manga style, but it's not. North America, it's not China, it's Malaysia, and I mean, the, the fact, what I'm saying is that it's not that, that I approve of the 
women covering themselves. That's a different discussion. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is not what I'm trying to say. That I, I think our women should be covered. <laughs> That's really not what I'm saying. I'm just yeah. saying that it, I feel it's authentic that in their own local comics that they portray women the way they are over there. So they do yeah. wear those things on their head. So they put them in the comic with that. Uh, so it's not like a fake. It's not. It's not happening anywhere else but Malaysia. So that's what I. That's what I mean by. That's what I like. Not the fact that uh, some people could see subjugate women to men's whim by forcing them to wear stuff on their head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's. Uh, I understand what you're saying. You know, it's consistent with the culture, which yes. is really interesting. And um, I mean, it's religion is such a. Uh, nuanced thing over there. I mean, you have countries like Malaysia bordering uh, countries that are completely different, uh, you know, um, follow completely different uh, uh, dogma and, and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's a crazy area. <laughs> yeah, the thing is that it's not even a religious, it's not religious at all. It's really like, it's, all, it's a sci-fi something, Matrix-like, they play in a virtual world, they do stuff. But just a few characters have them on their heads. So, uh, like some of the, the two main girls in the in the comics don't have them, but other background characters do. So that's that's what I find interesting. That um, and I, I guess that's why I really like discovering comics from other cultures and stuff like that. Um, it's 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 not even like bit in your face. Like it's not even like that. It's it's just oh okay, a few of the women over there they they are wearing those. Yeah. It like it piques your interest, and maybe um, you know if you haven't been to Malaysia, you you would look, you know, Wikipedia Malaysia or something, and be like, I wonder why they're wearing, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that kind of dress. Yeah, but if you go there, you, I mean, obviously, a lot of the way, it's not something that they force over there. It's not mm -hmm. something that's forced on people, yeah, um, uh, on women, uh, because there's a uh, Malaysia is quite interesting in that there's a lot of Chinese people in Malaysia. So they don't, they have a different culture. Uh, well, I mean, it's the same language and the same people, but they're of Chinese descent. So some of them speak mm -hmm. Mandarin. So obviously those people are more Buddhist than Muslim, uh, mm -hmm. but they all live together. Yeah. Uh, although if I'm not mistaken, officially Malaysia is more Muslim than anything else, but mm -hmm. uh, the Chinese population is at least 25% of the population. Um, so that's, that's like a huge chunk of people. And they have people from other places, such as, uh, in, well, Indonesia is also Muslim, but they have people from all over Asia and other countries also living there. Yeah. So it's really a multi-ethnic uh, society, uh, and not everyone over there is, um, is obviously a Muslim person. But still, uh, I really like that in the comic, that you could see it's authentic. It's really, it's not a comic that could have been the, in, Jap in Japan, you wouldn't have seen women wearing those. So this is really a story that's happening there, and they're proud of it. It's part of their culture. So, well, yeah, I, I, I just, I was just thinking of something kind of uh, profound. I mean, we always uh, associate that uh, head covering with, uh, you know, uh, Muslim women, um, and it's not always uh, something that's, you know, forced upon them, and it's not always something that is relegated merely to Muslim cultures. I think I had mentioned on the show before when we were talking about, um, you know, uh, how neo-puritanical some of the candidates for presidency in the U.S. were. And uh, 
I was raised as a um, reformed Mennonite. Mm-hmm. Orthodox Mennonite women wear coverings on their heads. Ah. So, and same thing with um, the Amish. They wear uh, bonnets over their hair. Yeah. Because the Christian Bible says that, you know, uh, the hair is the source of a woman's pride, so she should keep it covered. So it's something that, you know, there's traces of, um, I guess I want to say, you know, uh, these traces of oppression in every, um, well, nearly every religion, you know, and. Yeah, uh, well, you could uh, say that nuns are also wearing yeah, those. <laughs> nuns as well, exactly. So it's, uh, yeah, Catholic nuns as well. Um, so it's, it's something that's, it's kind of universal, uh, to, um, those those religions, um, yeah. But yeah, I it, it it just turns out that Muslim culture gets demonized a lot, um, just because there's uh, you know uh, recent extremism and stuff. Yes, but, uh, I think it's 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 something that if you really think about, <laughs> their culture is not too divergent from uh, you know uh, Western Christian culture. Uh, or Judeo-Christian you know, Judeo culture, too. So. No, it's not. Um, so what's interesting also, I mean, um, like I said, it's a sci-fi story. Um, and the creator is called Zint. So he's done a lot of those. And it's funny, like, they go in that virtual world. But they, it's it's not like it's an issue that's addressed, per se. It's not really addressed. I mean, it's just background characters who wear those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not even, like, a big deal. Well, maybe it is some, I don't know, maybe I haven't read, uh, maybe, because uh, I, obviously I, I don't know. But from what I can see, it doesn't appear to be an issue. It's just something that, oh, okay, yeah, a few of them do wear those things. Mm. Um, and I believe I had the same thing in the Shabu Shabu. There, there were a few characters that had those also in Shabu Shabu. Um, the, the, the one with the chicken. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the chicken waiter? Yeah. Uh, so that's also interesting. I mean, uh, I don't know. Well, and, and that and that's why I like world comics. I, I like comics from other places, too. Um, I don't think I would have we would have ever discussed that in any DC or Marvel or whatever it is type of comics. Um, and I think that, I guess that's what our mandate is at the bin to go out and explore comics and, and issues that no one really... That, that are really comics and that no one is talking about. Uh, for example, this morning I was kind of stuck into, I, I didn't want to put press releases today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to put some original stuff instead, instead of press releases. I wanted to put something more interesting. Not that there's anything wrong with press releases. I mean, they inform readers and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think we should have a mix of too many press releases. So I was looking for the type of story so I, that I wanted to tell, uh, what I, whatever I wanted to tell in a, um, and well, this morning was a bit difficult. Uh, I didn't know what to talk about today. Like I really wanted to find a, a cool story. Uh, and actually I did. Um, it's a little bit a retro story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably something Philip would have covered more than me. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's about this unknown character, uh, which probably served as the mock-up for Harley Quinn. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you ever seen the, the old Flash uh, TV series? Yeah, with, uh, I remember the one episode with uh, Mark Hamill in it. Yeah. Very well. <laughs> so he had a girlfriend in there too that was exactly like Harley Quinn. 
actually mm-hmm. Harley Quinn is based on probably copied her more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. And she was called Frank. <laughs> well, I, that's funny because I mean Mark Hamill was the voice of uh, the Joker in Batman the Animated Series as well. Yeah, yeah. This which is, is which yeah. is where Harley Quinn originated. Yes, exactly. That's it's all I guess tied up. So I think. It, um, so I did a little bit of research on that. I just posted the article just before I started recording the podcast. Mm-hmm. And she's never been uh, using comics. Yeah. So, uh, unlike Harley, Harley Quinn. So she's mm-hmm. never been reused by anyone else, even though she's a cool character. Uh, it's they, it's so easy to integrate her. I don't know if there's a licensing issue with her. Uh, could be. But they could easily create a fake character that looks like her or something like that. That's also the girlfriend of the trickster. But she has the same love-hate relationship with the trickster that the Harley Quinn has with the Joker. So he abuses her and he uses her. Yeah. I don't know. Battle well, I, I wonder if that's the, uh, the point where they were like, okay, these are so similar now. It's not even worth, you know, incorporating her anymore. Yeah. Um, or if the original issue was a licensing issue because of the television series, and they were like, well, we need to find a way to, you know, be able to incorporate her in other stories, so we'll change her into, like, uh, the Joker's sidekick. And, ah, okay. You know. Oh, true. Who knows? Uh, don't know. But they're almost the same. Even the costume, um, you know, the, the way that the Harley Quinn costume uh, is, like, uh, diametrical? Yeah. She has the same type of costume, too. Um, but then again, after watching the, the episode with the trickster, um, I figured with Mark Hamill, Hamill, um, it's like, oh yeah, his, it, he was so Joker-like, but then he was playing the trickster, that's, which is funny. <laughs> he was playing the trickster, and uh, from what I've researched, it seems that it's not his performance as a trickster that got him the job for the Joker, uh, it's something else he did after, it's a other other, um, what is it, um, test, animation test that he did, and uh-huh. yeah, and they said, oh yeah, this is our Joker, and he's been the Joker ever since. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's cool. I mean, yeah, I had never really put two and two together there, I guess. Um... Well, I had forgotten, I don't remember, I remember the series from the 90s. <laughs> I know I used to watch it, but I don't think I watch all the episodes. Because uh, uh, I think there were only a few episodes, if um, if I recall correctly. There were twenty two of them, so a whole. Were there like, really? Yeah, then a whole season. Oh wow! But apparently, they were moving it. Uh, they kept changing uh, the time slot at the time, mm-hmm. uh, which okay. means that uh, it probably would have been difficult for me. At, uh, and I was a kid back then too. Yeah. Uh, actually, well, a bit older than a kid, but I guess older teenage mm-hmm. uh, would have been very tough. Because of the programming issue, they, they kept changing it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, who knows? Who knows what exactly what happened? So, uh, but I know a lot of those episodes, I don't remember any of them. Because mm-hmm. I just got the DVD. Yeah. Uh, I think I got it just before Christmas around there and I finally managed to watch it. Uh, and I remember the pilot, but that's about it. I don't, uh, I remember that there was a trickster episode. I remember that. But it's 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 funny because it's like watching all new stuff. It's like don't remember anything. Yeah, yeah. But it's like um, I kind of went back and did the same thing with Batman the Animated Series. Oh, cool. uh, I guess a year ago, 
And it was kind of like that, too. There were certain episodes that stuck out, and I was like, man, I remember, you know, watching this over and over again when I was a kid. But then there's other episodes where you're like, wow, did I have, have I even seen this before? Like, <laughs> it's like com- going into it completely, you know, cold almost. Yeah. So, actually, I had this feeling, well, I, I did the same thing with the Batman animated. Those I know I haven't seen all of them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I remember trying to, too. But this... Well, I guess the good thing with that series is that there's so many of them. Yeah. It lasted for so many years that there's there's a lot of stuff that every time you, if you get a collection, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to discover. Same thing for Superman. I, I, I actually, I got the Superman uh, first season again, uh, recently again. Mm-hmm. And that one I know I've never watched completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one will be completely new. And I think that's where they, they, they made Lex Luthor a cool character. Yeah. Um, so it'll be fun to watch. So I, I'm going to start watching that, that, that one this week. Um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, cool stuff. Um, and, oh, well, the question was, what did I read this week? Um, the other thing is um, I read this week was um, it's, uh, it's an, a very popular manga. I've already reviewed the first volume. Uh, actually, I bought it a couple of years ago, but I never read it. It's one of those that was sitting on my desk. Um, so when I went to Asia, I actually started reading them in the plane. And, well, that was the right place to read those. Uh, it's called, uh, in English, it would be called The Drops of God. Or... Yeah. Yeah. You heard it's of that? About, yeah, I've heard of it. It's um, it's about a winery or something, isn't there? Wine tasting? Or... Yeah, it's about wine tasting, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it like this... Uh... Yeah. It sounds interesting. I, I had read something about that um, last year, I think. I think it made a lot of, like, uh, you know, top 100 books of 2011 lists. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's something I'll have to look into. I, I, I normally don't pick up a lot of manga, but, uh, you know, I'm kind of... There's certain things that I'm, I'm really, you know, thinking that I'm missing out on, like 20th Century Boys and, and that book, Drops of God, so... Yeah, well, that one I don't know how it's been translated in English. I know the French translation because I mean the, that's the one I've got. Because for mm-hmm. years uh, it wasn't available in English, and it's on. It was only in October of 2011 when I checked the last time that uh, a U.S. company finally had the license to do it in English. So before that, it used to be scan what they call scanlation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means it, it was pirated and translated by fans in English. <laughs> nice. Um, so it's only this year that's finally available in English for fans to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one, that's why I got the one in French because that one has been available for a little bit longer. I mean, I think they have tw- twelve volumes translated already. Oh wow! Uh, and it's it's a bestseller in France also. Um, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure they're gonna translate it in 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 English uh, because reading it in French, uh, most of the wines that they cover are Italian and French wines. And obviously, whoever did the the translation for French for the for the French uh, did their homework. And obviously, the series itself is a really authentic in terms of covering wines in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know. So the translation work, everything has been done extremely well for that. Mm-hmm. All the, the 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 terms that are related to wine tasting and uh, everything has been done properly in that series. So I, I'm, I'm wondering how it would be, how to how to 
how it would sound in English. Um, probably, probably not as pretty. <laughs> uh, who knows? But, but I, I mean, like we have, we have a pretty good. Uh, well, we have a you know um, notorious wine culture in, in California, at least. Yeah. So they're probably um, going to cover some of them in later volumes. I don't know. I'd like yeah. to see. Uh, so, so what, what is the story about exactly? It's like wine tasting, but it has like a, it, it's kind a of weird a, twist on it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's kind of it's. A, I don't know if you remember that series from uh, the 1980s. Oh boy, that movie called Money. Uh, nope. With uh, Stoltz, <laughs> what's his name? Stoltz, that red hair guy. He played the mask. Uh, mask oh. with uh, what's what's her name? Yeah, Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. So he did another series called Money back then in the 80s, um, where basically he had inherited money and he, he had to travel all over the world. And it, it's one of those, it's like a dynasty type of thing, Dallas, you know, one of those. <laughs> they used to have a lot of those in the 80s. Yeah, kind of like uh, soaps, but. Yeah, nighttime like soaps. Night, nighttime soaps, yeah. Yeah, one of those. Um, so it's a bit like that. So it's basically this guy uh, whose father was a top. Uh, wine critic and he and as it has a obviously the comic book twist as a kid he was trained by his dad to taste a lot of stuff like leather belts or wood or fruits and a lot of things mm -hmm. and to train his smell and his tongue mm -hmm. uh, into being trained into tasting taste uh, but ne had never drank wine before that and he was kind of estranged with his father uh working he was working with a for a beer company in, in japan obviously all japanese characters and so that's what he was doing so and then his father died and his father before he died uh what's the word for that um adopted some the like another top wine critic about the same age as his son <laughs> And pits the two of them in a competition uh, <laughs> to get his like riches, his mansion, and a, and a collection of uh, twelve invaluable wines from the world over. Mm -hmm. And what they have to do is uh, they have to hunt for those wines and taste them and describe them. So there's all those twists, and he gets help from people, and he's never tasted wine before, and his but. His, I guess you could say, his genetics, because he's been tasting wooden planks <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and leather belts all, all, all his life. So he, whenever he tastes something, it's like he's a natural in describing it, <laughs> but he doesn't know anything about wine. Versus the other guy, who is a wine critic and knows everything about wines, so they have to compete. And uh, and then there's a bunch of other soap opera-ish stuff that happens. You know, other characters get mixed in. In the thing, discover love, whatever crap happens. A lot of people from the past show up. Uh, uh, it's it's not a thriller. It's one of those drama thing that it's like Dynasty basically, except for wine tasting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, cool. So it's the, it's the dad sounds kind of like a douche. <laughs> yeah, um, he is in a sense. Um, so it's kind of, but through the series, they describe all the wines, and they describe them visually. 
Um, so that's quite interesting. So when you listen to, well, when you actually read the description, it's all visual also. Um, and it, they describe, and it's like, it, it also, it basically gives you like a course on wine tasting 101. Yeah. Uh, but goes a little bit further than that. It, so it takes you like from a beginners, and I guess by the end of the 12th volume, uh, you're probably going to be a pro, uh, even though you've never tasted wine before. So, so it's like a education as well as entertainment, right? Yeah, it's actually, uh, well, a lot of people have been using it for that, because it's actually quite good for that. And that's, impre- that's impressive. I, I really, I think I'm going to have to pick up at least the first volume of this sound. It's kind of, it, I mean, it's 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 like one of those long dramas. So, like, it, it's a soap opera. <laughs> so, if that aspect annoys you a bit, uh, I, as long as it's well written, I uh, I'm sure I'll enjoy it. You know, and from what I mean. I think I think I've heard you mention it before that you had been reading it and enjoying it, and from the stuff that I've read on the internet, it sounds uh, pretty phenomenal. So uh, I think uh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to uh, <laughs> get it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, let me check to quickly to see who uh, does it in uh, English. So the uh, the publisher. Yeah. Because I, I know it's recent that they, they've had the license for it. I wonder if it's Viz. Uh, no, Viz it's Media. not Viz. It's a smaller company. Okay. Um, let's see. Yeah, I actually described it like uh, Dynasty the, the Oracle. <laughs> uh, so who publishes it in English? Um... Um, I don't, I'll have to do more research, but, um, yeah, it's recent, uh, okay, yeah, it's very recent that they've started to, to have it in English. Um, but yeah, but it, it's a, it's a good series, and, and right now I'm, I'm preparing to, I had read volume two again, but I have to reread it, because it's been too long, and I'm also going to review that one for this week. Um, yeah. This week, you probably noticed I didn't put as many articles as last week. Um, that's because, segue, over the weekend I was working on uh, <laughs> the AVX. Yeah, uh, that was that was impressive, man. I uh, I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell, man. I, I mean, what did you do? Did you sit down with all of like <laughs> all of the collections of you know the the past events and kind of line it all up, or what? Uh, I did a lot of web research on it. A lot of mm-hmm. the, a, a lot of those comments actually reviewed at the bin also. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember you used to be you used to be a Marvel guy before you kind of uh, <laughs> dropped out of yeah. know, mainstream comics altogether. Uh, I'll be back. I'm always back. <laughs> I'll be back one day. Uh, Just when you think you're out, yeah, we bring it back in. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it was a lot of research. I mean, it's. The designing it was a long process too, mm-hmm. but doing the research itself was extremely crucial, like excruciating. It wasn't like putting, like I realized that there were so many crossovers at Marvel, mm-hmm. um, and it used to be that there was one per year, mm-hmm. or one X Men event and one non X Men event. Yeah, but now it's more like uh, they have like three or four per year of those. Yeah, it's continuous, and it's. It, I'm. 
I would go so far as to say that it's not even just three or four. I, I feel like it's there's you know one four month story or whatever, and then another four month story that overlaps with that at least a month or two. Yeah. So you're getting at least like six crossovers every year. <laughs> it's yeah. insane. So what I was interested in in covering it was because I know that uh, when since Avengers disassembled that they had they, they had like this roadmap of where they wanted to take the universe over the years. So like stuff like Civil War, the World War Hulk, and all those events, and now AVX are part of some kind of roadmap that they've had for what they call the Marvel Architects stuff, right? Yeah. So yeah. this is all part of a roadmap that those guys have. Uh, they they know where they want to take the universe. They want to take it somewhere and they have all those big crossovers uh, so I knew about that uh, but what I didn't know was that it was gonna it was so it was more extensive than I thought uh, I didn't know that there's far more material um, and the other thing which I found interesting was that um, well disassembled or and house of M were probably uh, the first well House of M mostly was probably the one crossover where both the Avengers and the X-Men uh, world kind of collapse, uh, merge for once. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and after that, since then, I feel that it's uh, obviously, um, I would say that, and I think I've written about that before, that Marvel has put a little bit more emphasis on the Avengers mm -hmm. because this is a license they actually own in the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus the X-Men, they don't... When there's an X-Men movie like uh, X-Men First Class from last year, mm -hmm. Marvel doesn't make much money from it. Um, who who owns the, the, the X-Men? Uh, Fox. Um, what's that? Fox. So Fox does? Okay. Yeah, so Fox makes all the money. So you probably mm -hmm. notice... Uh, I don't. I think I've discussed it last uh, before uh, in an article, I don't know, but you probably noticed that um, last year when X-Men First Class was released, mm -hmm. uh, I think Thor was released about the same time, at about the same time. Uh, Marvel did not promote the heck out of uh, First Class. Yeah. Uh, because it was a Fox product, not a Disney product. Mm -hmm. uh, with the, the Avengers and all Iron Man and Captain America and all those guys. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly Disney producing the movies. Uh, it's uh, Lionsgate in association with all the other companies and, and so on. But, I mean, Marvel is uh, co-producers. Yeah, so, they have know. their own studio, yeah. which is, uh, I think is great. But, um, yeah, I never really thought about that. Uh, I guess Thor and First Class did come out around maybe like a week or two apart yeah. in, in May of last year. And it was like every comic book that you were buying in uh, March and April of 2011 had... Thor ads on it, but I don't know if I ever saw um, a first class ad. Nope. Or if I did, you know, I, it, there weren't many. They, but I, I wonder if they can even advertise for for Fox's um, uh, films. They probably you know? can't. They can because they used to do it in the past. Okay. Um, they did it in the past, uh, but they didn't do it this time. Which mm -hmm. is, uh, I can I guess Disney would not want to promote a Fox. I mean, when when it. When the previous uh, X-Men films, um, I don't know about Wolverine exactly, but the first three ones, when they were mm -hmm. released, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, Marvel was still, well, yeah, Marvel was still independent. So mm -hmm. they did promote the hell out of those movies, too. 
Yeah, that's even true. action figures. I mean, you had the action figures related to the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't do that exactly with um, with um, First Class. Mm-hmm. And First Class was actually a good movie, but I would say it did not get the Marvel machine behind it. To put yeah. it because Marvel doesn't make much money off First Class, uh, off X-Men stuff. Uh, the license they have, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Fox has a license to do X-Men stuff. Uh, as long, if I'm not mistaken, like there's like a period of time if they do a couple of movies every couple of years, mm-hmm. the license gets renewed. <laughs> Some it's one of those deals. So, so it's yeah, it's like they're perpetuating their <laughs> yeah their license. I wonder if that creates like some some tensions between them and Marvel. Probably, especially yeah. <laughs> now that Disney's in the in the loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing for Spider-Man um, with Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, recently what I heard that uh, Sony uh, was no longer doing the cartoons, but they're still gonna do the movies. Mm-hmm. They're still gonna get the, keep the license for the movies, and those they have in per- perpetuity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's Marvel in the early uh, late '90s, early 2000, uh, which was desperate for money. Exactly. And just selling off everything it could. There's a lot of articles about that actually. Uh, uh, it, mostly in the in the. Whoa. Uh, yeah. What happened? Some stupid animal. Oh boy. Yes. Oh, it's okay. I'll pick it up later. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? <laughs> uh, he dropped something on the floor. Obviously. <laughs> what do you? Do you have uh, pets? Yeah, it's a cat. Oh, nice. I have two cats as well. <laughs> uh, They're well, in the way, aren't they? <laughs> well, cats and podcasts. Apparently, cats love podcasts. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why I, I started locking myself in uh, in another room so they couldn't bother me. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um... So what I was saying, um, yeah, in the late 90s, 2000s, uh, early 2000s, when Marvel was desperate for money, uh, so they were selling those licenses left and right. And there's a lot of articles that cover that uh, in the action figure section uh, and other places, because I know at the time uh, there was a Marvel went to a round of financing um, with uh, one of those uh, movie uh, guarantor company. Mm-hmm. And they, and I remember one of those deals that they in their movie guarant with their movie guarantor was that they put on the line every single license of Marvel character that they had. Wow! Uh, if they had lost, if Disney had not bought them, and they could have, and something would have screwed up, they, for example, Captain America could have been sold separately from Thor and everyone else, or Spider Man. Um, um, there's a bunch of articles on that on the site. I don't know which ones exactly, but I know I wrote them years ago. Uh, it was kind of a risky move, but then again, Disney bought them, so it's no longer a risk. But Marvel was really taking chances with with its uh, intellectual property back then, uh, which is why Spider-Man and the X-Men are, I mean, their movie licenses are owned by other companies. Uh, well, that was, I mean, I guess at that time... What was it? Uh, 2000. Mm-hmm. 
to 2003, you know, Marvel and DC were seeing, you know, all time lows they hadn't seen since, I guess, 92 or 93. So <laughs> I guess they kind of had like a fire sale then or. Yep. Yeah. Um, but then it's kind of funny because at the time, um, the company that had the license for the Marvel cartoon series, like, uh, the amazing Spider-Man, um, in the nineties and the X-Men series in the nineties and the, the Iron Man and, um, what is this? Fantastic Four and the Hulk. Yeah. And Silver Surfer, I believe. Had the and Silver Surfer, yep. Um, Mar- uh, not Marvel, Disney bought all those, the, the company. Um, uh, which was uh, the old company that used to be Dick, D-I-C. Yeah, okay. So, um, and another company, the name escaped me uh, because I've covered them a lot. So, uh, Disney bought all those those, uh, companies over the years. Uh, And when they were releasing all those X-Men cartoons uh, and uh, all those series as DVDs, Marvel did not see a single penny of that. (laughs) But wow. now, now that Disney has bought them, they've got everything is, uh, what is it called? Everything is with Disney. Uh, maybe in a different Disney department, but, or maybe they're going to consolidate everything back. I don't know what they're going to be doing, but now everything is back with, uh, with them. Yeah. Um, but that's Marvel's story. Marvel has always had a crazy story. You never, because no one bought Marvel early on, like uh, Disney was bought years ago by Time Warner in the seventies. That probably protected the, uh, DC from a, a bunch of crazy happenings, just like Marvel. Uh, Marvel was passed on over the years by so many people, and, and people pro men destroyed the company. Um, Jim Shooter tried to buy the company, but they blocked him, and so on. So many things happened with Marvel. I mean, it was passed around like a, a, a hockey puck. Um, but now finally, uh, but it's funny because I even wrote about that before Disney announced they were going to buy Marvel, that it, it was probably the, the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, because Warner and Disney are kind of the equivalent of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, so it's, it's interesting. It's really interesting to see all of it that. It is. I, I, it's, it's interesting to see, um, to think about the reasons that Marvel didn't get picked up, I mean, if you think about DC, there's so many uh, iconic characters, you know? Yeah. And um, Marvel, uh, you know, in comparison, really, if you, you could probably whittle it down to just Spider-Man being (laughs) the only iconic uh, Marvel hero. I mean, there's great superheroes in the Marvel line, but, uh, you know, to the the average... um, non-comic book reader, uh, they're going to identify Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, before uh, Captain America, Hawkeye, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. But they're trying to change that now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think Iron Man did a good job for that. Definitely, yeah. Um, uh, Iron Man has always been like almost like a, kind of a Green Enter type of a level. Mm-hmm. So... Second tier, you could say. Yeah. Uh, but now they're changing that. So with the Avengers movie, we're going to see some changes uh, in uh, people. Well, I think with those movies, uh, like the Thor, the Thor movie was probably the worst of all of uh, those, the Avengers, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I didn't well, I hate guess it. They're, they're equal with um, the Hulk movie, I guess. <laughs> you know? They're the not Captain, the same. Captain America was great, though. You know what? I, I haven't seen it yet. Oh. <laughs> it was a good one. I'll have to, yeah. I, the thing with Netflix is uh, I have the service where you get DVDs in the mail and streaming. Yeah. But I never I never watch the DVDs when they come in. They just sit around. <laughs> Whoa. So it's like... It's like if it's not on the uh, the streaming service, I I rarely watch anything, you know. So, um, but yeah, I'll have to get around to watching uh, Captain America. Um, what was? I guess uh, I I liked both of the Iron Man movies as well. Um, though the first Iron one Man Two, yeah, first one's a lot better, I think. But I think I think their movie properties have been really um, solid. Yeah. Uh, after Spider-Man 3 and that uh, Eric Bana Hulk movie. <laughs> yeah, the second one that didn't make... Uh, oh, you mean the the first Hulk movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with Ang Lee. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was horrible. I don't it know was... what he was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> it was complicated, convoluted. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, the second one made more sense, but it wasn't, uh, I don't know, it wasn't as interesting, so who knows. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the Hulk is, uh, I mean, it's, it's basically, you know, a monster movie. Um. Yeah. <laughs> but you're trying to market it as, like, a superhero. But what's uh, funny is the Hulk, you know... Like, my mom doesn't know who the X-Men are, mm -hmm. but she knows the Hulk. Really? Well, maybe because of the uh, the whole TV show yeah. with uh, exactly. Lou, Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> yeah, but that, that for me, that's uh, the mom test, right? Yeah. Who's, who's yeah. popular, who's not? <laughs> like, my mom knows the Hulk. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think she knows... Well, she definitely doesn't know Thor, Aaron, nah. <laughs> Uh, but she knows the Hulk, for sure. She maybe knows Batman. Uh, yeah, she knows Batman. But that, yeah. She knows Superman. She probably doesn't know Wonder Woman. Really? Huh. Well, I guess she has other priorities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she has other priorities than those guys. Yeah. Uh, but she knows the Hulk. So, I guess Marvel doesn't know what to do with the Hulk, but uh, there's a lot of... He has name recognition. Yeah. Probably more than Wolverine. Okay, if I use my mom. <laughs> yeah. If you go by your your mom meter. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, what have you read this week? Any more image stuff? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I mean, I know I'm supposed to be... Uh, singing the praises of Image um, this year, and that was kind of my idea. But I read a really bad book uh, from Image this week. I That's put okay. the, uh, the review up yesterday. But, uh, uh, the Super Teen, whatever it's called, American Teen Idol, or whatever, something like that? It, it's America's Got Powers. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's like uh, America's Got Talent, but with superheroes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, Man, it was just 
torture getting through that book. It's just so bad. <laughs> but uh, here's the thing that I, something that I kind of want to talk about is um, when I post a review, I kind of, uh, you know, surf the net and see uh, what the general consensus is on the book, you know, afterwards to see if, <laughs> you know, I kind of have similar taste to everybody or if I'm, you, you do, know. Do you do it after or before you after. actually wrote? Okay, me too. Yeah. Because I, I want to go into reviewing like with, uh, you know, a clear mind and not be yeah, influenced yeah, by anybody I else's review. <laughs> so I'm going around and it's like everybody loved this comic book. And I'm like, shit, you know, did I, <laughs> did I read the same book as these people? It's, uh, I don't know what the disconnect was, but people love it. I think it's um, Brian Hitch has like this really uber fan base, you know, like, uh, People are really staunch Brian Hitch fans. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's because of the, the, the Ultimate series from a couple years back or whatever. But uh, I feel like some people just love his, his comics no matter what. And it, it really, really has a, some poor plotting and uh, a pretty thin script. But also, Brian Hitch's artwork is not, not up to snuff, man. It's, <laughs> hmm. uh, it's, it's strange. Who was the anchor on that one? Uh, him. It's just oh. he's doing yeah he's doing uh, all the uh, visual stuff in in that book. Okay, maybe he shouldn't be inking himself. I think more form <laughs> is a good inker for him. Um, there are some uh, some really interesting pages. I think there. Are, I mean, his strength definitely does come through um, in certain uh, scenes, but the you can tell all of his work is photo referenced because all of his characters look like. Um, famous Americans. Yep. Um, like one character looks exactly like Sarah Palin. One looks exactly like Ed Harris. Um, you know, and I'm guessing he, he uses photo referencing of his friends and family for other characters. Um, and all the characters have like these blank expressions on their faces. So, you know, it's just some guy that he took a picture of that he's, you know, tracing, <laughs> but I don't know. It's, I wasn't sold. But anyway, uh, um, you know, when I was thinking about, we talked about AVX last week and how I was feeling like uh, some Catholic guilt for not picking up <laughs> AVX number one. Guess what? I haven't read it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, one of the things that I've been noticing is uh, I read a review about it where the reviewer kind of slammed the book but still gave it a four out of five stars. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is going on here? And then you start to notice that all these sites have these huge, you know, uh, background advertisements for Avengers versus X-Men. And you're like, man, even when the reviewer doesn't like the book, he has to give it like a minimum of eight out of 10 points, you know, <laughs> hmm. just for this advertising, advertising space. Well, I guess. We do have a, at least one review of it on the site. Yeah, yeah, I think um, Troy Jeffrey yeah. Allen reviewed it. Maybe I should go and get it so I can give it a honest review. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a comic book like, review. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's completely fair. <laughs> yeah, there's no objectivity anymore. I mean, it's like uh, I was usually reading this review, and it's this guy is like, you know, it's it's an okay story, but it's kind of you know, there's not much to it. Um, the characters are kind of uh, pale, and it's 
but uh, you know, definitely worth your money. And I was like, nothing you said makes it worth my money. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably why I'm gonna go buy it now. Yeah. <laughs> Just so because, I not because I want to trash it. Yeah, but, but because you want to see what if it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's interesting. That's what. Yeah. That's probably the only. Um, the only reason I'm gonna go buy it so I can so because I mean this is our duty as a comic book man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to review things honestly, and 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 not no BS. I mean, if it's bad, it's bad. Mm-hmm. And well, we have nothing to lose anyway, so it doesn't matter. There's no AVX commercials on the website. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed. <laughs> um, so here's here's where I kind of stand on Avengers versus X Men. Um, I love the lineup of creators, except one of them, Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, okay. Who was kind of like my Jeff Johns of the Marvel universe? <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one. No, no, I'm, I'm, I, I think I've been bitching about him for, uh, which is probably why I'm not reading many, well, I haven't read a Marvel comic, uh, oh boy, in months. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been bitching about him all of last year and the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, like, because he writes everything and, and all of the stories, I don't know if you've read a lot of, uh, well, let me, let, let, I'll let you finish your point, sorry. Oh, I'm just, I mean, it's, I've everything he's done uh, besides Powers, I think is awful, and even Powers I think is overrated. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like every every superhero comic that he writes is just like uh, you switch the bad guy with another bad guy, and you know that's he's got this very archaic uh, uh, style of writing superhero comic books. There's nothing fresh or new about him, I don't think. Um, what I didn't like about it, when when you would read stuff, all of uh, the fill-in issues for all of the crossovers, which she was most of the time involved with, mm-hmm. is that there was always like uh, like the point of view issue, mm-hmm. um, where a bunch of uh, captions where each of them would say something silly mm-hmm. for twenty-two pages, and almost like a Giffen McGuire type of uh, Justice League. That, uh, international type of comic but yeah. not as funny but all yeah. that witty stuff mm-hmm. and not much happening or one of those behind the scene or oh yeah I was there and uh, you know like a, almost like a real, reality TV type of uh, comic you could say mm-hmm. like with yeah. people as if they were being interviewed by someone mm-hmm. talking about what happened instead of actually you seeing as a reader seeing what happened like the fight, whatever happened, you don't see it. It's it's a bunch of characters talking to some unknown camera guy or reporter, explaining, yeah. "Oh yeah, this is what happened." Yeah, it's very. Uh, that's another thing about his style is he tries to be snarky all the time. He tries to be, you know, uh, funny. Like you said, like it's JLI pretty much. Um, but JLI was. But it, it's not. It, <laughs> but yeah, JLI was funny and it was well written. <laughs> And um, he's he's really not not that funny. He's not that uh, fantastic of a writer. I went back and I reread um, Goldfish, which is an old trade paperback of his. 
I reread it a couple of years ago. I hadn't read it since I was like uh, kind of a teenager, I guess. Um, get back then, I thought it was you know was awesome because that was the time when guys like uh, you know Brubaker and Bendis and Fraction had just kind of hit the comic scene, and it was like a new wave of creators. Yeah. And everything they wrote was awesome, you know. And stretched. Yeah, and uh, so I reread this, and I was like, "Man, this is absolutely awful! Like, <laughs> how did this guy get into the business in the first place?" You know, it's but if if you want to read something that's really hackneyed and um, uh, awkwardly paced and uh, idiotic. Should pick up Brian Michael Bendis's uh, Goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> I will now. Um, I don't think it's reviewed on the site yet. <laughs> I don't think so either. Well, it's an old book. I mean, it came out uh, you know several years ago. It was one of those ones where I think he wrote that and um, was it Torso? Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. He wrote those two, and then that's kind of when people started um, noticing mm -hmm. him, and he got on the uh, the Powers gig. And then started writing for Marvel. What about Jeff Jones? <laughs> Jeff Jones, that's like the same thing, man. You know, I mean, it's like he was kind of part of that group as well, where it was like, okay, these guys aren't the old guys. I, I feel like it was just an age thing. Like these are the young creators now. Everything they write is awesome, you know. <laughs> um, but I mean, I was I was a teenager or a preteen when these guys hit the scene and I think when I was reading their stuff um, I was just kind of like okay you know everybody tells me I should like this so I guess I like it <laughs> but going back through that stuff and rereading it it's really uh, it's like wow this is what a comic book would look like if I had written it when I was 12 or 13 <laughs> it, was, it was written by grown men you know What annoyed me a lot with that generation is that they would take stuff, old stories, basically, that were already told, mm -hmm. and would just retell them and stretch them and put a couple of, uh, what's the word for that? Um, uh, um, you know, when they upgrade stuff, they make it more realist? Yeah, yeah. So, so a lot of the stuff, like, for example, the Incredible Iron Man of the last few years, with mm -hmm. Tony Stark being a drunk again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, they did that story again. The only thing, the only difference is that this time you're, you're, you're doing it, you're stretching it over a longer set of issues, mm -hmm. and you're looking at some of the implications of a guy being drunk, mm -hmm. but it's been done already. And yeah. when the, the, the original guys did it, David, David Michelini and Bob Layton did it, mm -hmm. um, back then it was groundbreaking. I mean, yeah. if you, you read it now, it, obviously it sounds a bit, You know, it sounds like a 70s comic, so it's yeah, it it's missing. It's not it's not like Sandman. It doesn't age as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it was like an issue uh, issue of the month kind of thing, kind yeah. of like uh, Speedy with using heroin. Yeah, yeah, but, but I mean, it was, it's still a quintessential you know Iron Man story. Yeah, uh, it hasn't it aged so well, to... I would say. Yeah, but then and then you got you got a guy like. Uh, Fraction goes and redoes the story. Um, he, I mean, it's, it's clever. I'll, I'll give it that. It, it is clever. Mm -hmm. but, but it's it, not original. 
know, and he's just reusing old stuff and giving it to a new generation of readers. Yeah. Um, and and if you want to read it the first time that, I don't know, Iron Man got drunk, there's a collection already that you can get from Marvel, probably in black and white at this point. I'm pretty, one of those essential probably. Uh, there's one in color because I've got the one in color, but because I had those comics as a kid too. Uh, well, I yeah. had that they were translated in French, but I had some of them, and they, I remember as a kid, like I was like probably eight, nine year old. Mm-hmm. That, that was like, oh my god, he's drunk. Yeah. Oh my god, he's a bum. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was big for me as a kid. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's because uh, I guess maybe I'm jaded. I don't know. When, so when I reread the same thing, I don't know if he's gonna make Tony Stark be a, a bum again, uh, a beggar. Or something like that. I don't know if he's gonna go there also and have him have a second baby with some homeless woman <laughs> that he loses. I mean, those were dramatic things. I mean, that yeah. was dramatic way back. I mean, yeah. I mean, that was heavy duty stuff. Like Iron Man was a bum in New York City and he had a baby with a homeless woman. Mm-hmm. Or they're probably gonna return the. Oh yeah, I'm amazed that no one has, has done that yet. They're gonna bring back the baby. The baby wasn't dead. Yeah. The baby is grown up. The baby has a armor too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like there's there's so many loose threads in the Marvel universe too. Like um, Peter Parker has a son somewhere. Probably <laughs> that, was, that was stolen. No, he does. Oh, he uh, does. Yeah, from the Clone Saga. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that's I mean, true. The, the Clone Saga was wrapped up really messily uh, because I guess it wasn't really doing well with um, you know purists. And uh, so they kind of wrapped it up really quickly um, so they could move on. And there was like, uh, uh, I think he had the child with, uh, was it, I think it was Mary Jane. Well, not Gwen Stacy. Oh, wow. The uh, it might have been Gwen. I mean, yeah, you, you might be right. It might be Gwen. I'm not sure. But either way, he had a child and it was stolen at birth. And uh, they never, uh, you know, went back and resolved that plot issue. Not that I... I don't think they ever will now. I mean, after Brand New Day and all that other uh, stuff, he's kind of um, they've kind of hit the reset button. Well, the clone stuff is back. Was back in the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I noticed that they were reproducing some of the issues, and now there's. Uh, uh, I mean, a in, new, the, in the Scarlet, there's a new Scarlet Spider series too. Well, in the current stuff too. I mean, they they brought back because I was reading it uh, the last couple of years. Really? Uh, yeah, they brought back the the clone characters and. Um, there was a big, huge guy, and then there was his direct clone, uh, Ben Riley. Ben Riley. Um, so they brought, they're all back. Those guys are all back. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Kane. Yes, the, uh, Kane. Big guy. He's he's the new Scarlet Spider. Oh, but what happened to uh, Ben Riley? Um, uh, he was back um, in the series that uh, in the mini, not the mini, the the storyline that brought back. Uh, well, he was back even before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was also back when the Craven, the Hunter, was re was brought back to life, mm-hmm. and they had to kill Peter Parker to f- complete the process of bringing him back from hell. Mm-hmm. So what happened is that they killed him instead of Peter Parker. Oh, okay. Um, but Jesus. he's not dead. He he. I, <laughs> Jesus. There were a couple of issues. I don't know exactly what happened. Um, uh-huh. I'm not up to date on my uh, Spider-Man, but like he, he, like at the la- end of the issue, like he, he was in the ground on, well, he was coming out of his, uh, 
uh, not to- tomb, but uh, his grave. Yeah, whatever he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he had like uh, what? How many eyes do spiders have? Like five or six, or I don't know, eight. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and he had like all eight eyes in his face, and I don't know, a couple of <laughs> pair of arms, or ah, uh, whatever. <laughs> Jesus, man, that is uh, that's absolutely ridiculous. Um. So yeah, they they have that. Uh, so I guess he's gonna be back. Well, he I don't know if they've resolved that plot point. Uh, they may or they may not. But yeah, he was back. Okay. Uh boy. Oh well, superhero comics. What can you say? Yeah, it's uh, that's awful, man. I mean, that's the. I feel like that's the problem, you know. <laughs> And maybe, maybe AVX, maybe you were right about Avengers vs. X, but maybe they're gonna reset continuity after this. <laughs> well, that's what I wanted, well, that one wanted, that's what I was hoping for that they would do, that they, I mean, with the Scarlet Witch and, uh, Jean Grey. Yeah. That yeah. they would just reboot, clean up all the crap. Especially since mm-hmm. they're putting all, all of their characters in it this time. Yeah. Uh, clean up all the, the crap, just do a 52. Mm-hmm. Uh, and bring the clean Marvel Universe. Um, I mean, the, instead of having like an ultimate, uh, the ultimate, I remember when I was reading them were cool at first, and then they start becoming more, I don't know, something else. So then I, well, like a lot of people, I dropped off the ultimates when it became too complicated or crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it yeah, it became like a second Marvel continuity instead of something fresh. Like, I remember when Ultimate X-Men and the Ultimates first came out, and that was like a huge deal, and yeah. it was like a, a new starting point, and Ultimate Spider-Man as well. And now it's it's just as bad as regular Marvel continuity, you know? As I, was, I tried reading, um, I, I guess it's the new Ultimate Comics X-Men or whatever. I was just like, what the hell is going on here? I thought this was supposed to be like... <laughs> something completely different but it's like the same thing now so I guess I'm not interested in that I know Zach still reviews some of the Ultimate <laughs> Spider-Man stuff I think he likes him or <laughs> the X-Men stuff uh, I gave up on that stuff a while back yeah uh, I, I just don't understand uh, I don't even want to go there <laughs> yeah I mean the whole point of the Ultimate was to clean up everything make everything <laughs> fresh and all of that convoluted crap out the door and it, I don't even know why someone would read that right now so maybe yeah. AVX will clean up everything I'm hoping they'll just reboot uh, a lot of it just like maybe a soft reboot instead of a total reboot mm-hmm. but just a reboot just like 52 uh, I yeah. would say in hindsight 52 was needed um, although they had cleaned up everything after what is it called Brightest, uh, brightest day, or darkest, whatever it's called. Darkest yeah, night. brightest day. Yeah. Like they had brought back a bunch of the old character that they had killed off, and they had cleaned up everything, and then they just rebooted. Yeah. yeah. So that didn't quite make sense. No, I mean, brightest day, I, <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was such a bad series. <laughs> At least they had darkest. cleaned up some of the crap that they had, you know, they had cleaned up a lot of the crap. Well, I mean, did you read uh, Jeff Johns' um, uh, events before 52, the new 52, like Blackest Night? Uh, I read 
the blackest uh, I, I actually read I believe I read most of the blackest night issues because mm-hmm. uh, I think I reviewed a bunch of them uh, mm-hmm. those that I liked the best were those the mini series that they had the yeah. stuff those were interesting the one with the JSA was interesting and the one with Wonder Woman mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't read everything and it was also at the time where I thought everything was so convoluted and um, yeah like there was Final Night, Black. I don't know anymore. Blackest Night, Final Night, uh, <laughs> Infinite Crisis, something Crisis. Yeah, Crisis from this. Infinite but, Crisis, Final Crisis. Uh, Fifty two uh, weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't know. After a while, so I just crazy, gave up. I just gave up on uh, all those uh, events. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marvel ones were easier than the events for me. It, it's funny when I say that because I. I'm at comic book bin. I'm not supposed to be confused by crap like that. Yeah. I should be like, I should know. And I guess maybe when I was a kid or earlier when, I guess when I was younger reading comics, I was on top of all those things. Like I knew all their histories, all the, all the convoluted continuities. I was on top of all that stuff. I could like dish, I could like tell you list everything. No, 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 no. There was this, this and that. I could tell you everything now. It's like a lot of this stuff when it, as soon as it gets convoluted, I don't know, maybe it's age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, you know, that's funny. I, I was kind of thinking the same thing the other day about um, when I was a kid, I probably knew everything about every super, you know, mainstream superhero. And mm-hmm. now it's like, I either don't care or <laughs> I just, yeah, I just can't understand it anymore. So. And the thing is that I don't even care. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not it's it's not as important to me as it was when I was, you know, eight years old. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Back then, I knew everything. Everything, <laughs> like the Phoenix, I knew everything. I would like... Yeah. Everything was like... In, what the? It's kind of funny because my teachers used to say, he doesn't study, doesn't do his homework, but he knows everything about the... about all the other stuff. And like... <laughs> about comic books. Yeah. So basically, I proved to them that I wasn't an idiot. <laughs> yeah. If I really wanted, I could memorize stuff because yeah. I knew my I knew my comic book and cartoon histories inside out. I knew everything there was to know. I knew every episode of GI Joe and Transformers. I knew everything about every all those things. I knew all the characters. I could name you all the all the ve- vehicles, all the all the weapons. I could name everything. Mm-hmm. I knew everything. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I don't care. <laughs> Well, I wonder if the worlds were like so much smaller too back then. Well, in the comic book uh, worlds, I mean. Well, they were convoluted you know? too, but I mean, but you remember when they had those editors' notes and they would say, "Oh, you have to go back at this issue." Yeah. And yeah. you you could never find that issue, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like you knew, like you had an understand. Like I remember, I had an understanding of globally of what was happening, a, a, a big understanding of everything. And I don't know, recent, I'm like, now I'm like, oh. So, like, to bridge it to something more interesting, when I watch series on TV like um, Justice, uh, Young Justice, or The Avenger, The Mightiest Avengers, mm. uh, the, the Mighty Avengers uh, cartoon series, those two series, when I watch those versus the comics, I'm actually quite entertained. 
I don't know if you yeah. watch Ju- Young Justice. I watch uh, I watch the Mighty Avengers, and I think it's uh, it's a incredible, really great. Yeah, it's a really great cartoon. And there's there's uh, new episodes on now. Have you seen them or? Uh, not yet. Maybe uh, there's there's two new episodes, and they're they're pretty good. So, because I, I know I, they they sent me a, a bunch of those for to review them uh, uh, last year, mm-hmm. and I really really enjoyed myself. I mean, yeah. the the characters were done right. Everything, the, the personalities, mm-hmm. uh, like they, for example, they weren't afraid of using the Wasp and Ant Man, yeah, and like the yep. movie where they replaced them with uh, Hawkeye and uh, Black Widow. Yeah, um, so I really, really like this stuff. Um, I thought it was very good. Um, mm. Young Justice, I really like that series. It's so well done. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'm oh, definitely gonna have to check it out. It's it's a great series. It's um, they they take some of the new Titans, well, or Young Justice characters, but they really mix them in a world. They they, they really mix them with the Justice League, mm. but more than the Teen Titan Go series from earlier. Mm-hmm. So they really they really are the Junior Justice League. Um, so you see the Justice League villains and the Justice League characters. Uh, you, you, I don't know if you remember Justice League Unlimited uh, from the 2000s. Yeah. Well, it's yep. it's that type of uh, tight integration. Mm, okay. Except they use the kids mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've cleaned up everything. All the characters make sense. Like you have your basic Justice League, the classic Justice League you could say you, you have in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything is so well done. Uh, it's a great series. Um, it's so enjoyable. Um, mm. That when I read the comics, I'm oh, even. <laughs> I guess even the 52 right now feels heavy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my god! I shouldn't be reading comics anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's like yeah. There's there's already crossovers in the uh, in the new 52. I mean, there's a big Batman event going on right now. And there is. Yeah, it's uh, the Court of Owls. It's <laughs> this huge, <laughs> you know, crossover thing where each um, Batman family title has two chapters of of the crossover or something. So yeah, I mean they're they're working their way back to uh, sucking. So <laughs> oh, well, uh, I'm glad I'm not reading either. Yeah. <laughs> DC or Marvel. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to stick with my uh, Malaysian and Japanese comics or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to stick with those instead. Um, and I've been receiving a lot of, uh, I guess what I would say, those PDF comics. People send them a lot at the bin now. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to make a point if you're a creator or a publisher, we don't really like PDF comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, for example, if it's for preparation for an interview or a podcast, that's a different matter, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no other way of getting it to us quickly. And, and, and we do it for, like, it's for research purpose, right? Yeah. Um, like uh, our guest last week, uh, Barrows. Um, mm-hmm. So that's okay. I mean, that's a different issue. Like, if I have to do research because I have to interview you uh, or do a podcast with you and I need to know the material that you're working on, like... Obviously, I'm not expecting you to send to express ship to the comic book bin, <laughs> yeah. you know, overnight. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's a different thing. And obviously, in this case, it's also off, it's us asking us to 
asking you guys to send us uh, something we can research material we can work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I've been getting a few of them, and they really clog up the my mailbox, um, especially yeah, when I'm on the phone. The yeah, huge I, files, right? Yeah, someone has sent me a 30 meg file uh, unsolicited. <laughs> Now people need to understand. It's not that I don't want to read the comics. But you probably should probably ask before you send it, and and if we tell you it's okay, then send it. But you know when you send a 30 meg file, and someone is on a phone or a tablet, or I'm on a phone somewhere, uh, I'm trying to check my emails quickly. Um, I've got five minutes to check those, and there's this huge email that just clogs up my phone, freezes everything, uh, freeze my all my emails, um, or. Because my account at the bin, my email account is always over the edge, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, just it, it's happened a few times that people have sent me those big download uh, PDF comics, acrobats, mm-hmm. and they just they they just took me over my limit, and I can't so increase lock, lock it. I, yeah, I can't increase okay. it. I mean, I'm already at two gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, the web company will not allow me to increase it more than two gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that's huge. <laughs> it's huge, but that that's like years of of emails and stuff, which I it's it's a pain to clean. I try to clean up all as much yeah. as I can, mm-hmm. uh, but you all you don't want to delete all the stuff because you need track. There's a lot of stuff that you need to keep. Uh, so my email at the comic book bin is always on the edge of being. Uh, well, I think was I, when I was in Asia, it, it did go overboard. Um. And I couldn't, I couldn't clean it up quickly. Yeah, I remember somebody saying that they were trying to get a get in touch with you, and they couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it did go overboard. So it, so when people send those big files, I mean, it's unsolicited, not cool, um, and PDF comics are a bit more difficult to read than. Uh, I don't know if you remember those what they used to be to call Ashcan copies. Yeah, the little tiny. Uh, yeah, black books. and white, just black and white Xeroxes. Mm-hmm. Those are fine. Like we're not asking you guys to send us like a, a a full copy of the comic book, you know, full color, like bounded hard. That's that's not well, what we ask. Although although we won't turn it away. <laughs> no, obviously we're not. <laughs> But I mean, if if you need to get something reviewed by us. Um, It's probably preferable to send us uh, uh, even a black and white copy because mm-hmm. um, that's easy to read and that's portable, uh, more portable than sending us an Acrobat. Acrobat wasn't made for comics; it was made for doc files. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's not easy to read. It's a little bit easier on a tablet than on a regular computer, mm-hmm. I, I would say, because of the format. Uh, yeah. But it's still a pain to use when you get one of those. It, it's usually a little bit painful, mm-hmm. and I get a lot of those actually every week. Um, now, now I don't want people to think. Don't. I, I, yeah. I was gonna say I, I think it's you know you want a book to get reviewed and you send it as a PDF and uh, I mean that experience is going to be detrimental to you know really? whatever uh, <laughs> review score you get because actually no no uh, I try to be fair. Yeah, uh, like I, 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 I mean, don't... If, if I'm reading something and it's just like, man, this is uh, you know <laughs> a pain in the ass to follow on this uh, in this Acrobat file, then you know I 
My dad get half a point. <laughs> um, I've actually haven't done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to be fair. Um, but I, what happens is that I, I probably will download it, but I will not even open it. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the stuff, I, uh, like the big one I got recently, I, f- I feel bad because it's, it's, you know, it's one of those amateurish artists or creator. <laughs> so he's not there yet. Um, but he sends this, like, it's, it's, he's not ready for prime time, but that's okay. That's a learning experience. That's, you have to start somewhere when you make a comic. You, you can't be a super pro or. Right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. And and everyone goes through that period where you send you, you probably produce crap. You think it's great, but it's not great. Mm-hmm. And it, it's usually a lot of it. Often is superhero, straight superhero stuff. So this is even a more turn down because I'm turned off. I mean, um, if you're gonna be doing straight superhero stuff, and I know the it's like increasing the barrier, but you probably need to be as good as DC or Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's, it's tough when we say that because it's, we increase the barrier and we make it more difficult for people, but you probably need to do a lot of those before you're good at it. (laughs) So I I don't know. It's, I don't mean to be a jerk, um, because a lot of people are trying really hard to make comics and they really have a passion for this stuff. But it's not always good stuff. So especially when your stuff is not professional level, don't send it to people as a big PDF. Yeah, um, they're probably not going to review it, and it's probably going to get trashed quickly. Uh, I don't trash stuff. I try to keep a copy of stuff, and I pro- always promise myself I will read them. Well, now that I'm not even reading DC or Marvel regularly, I probably should go and read all those things. Um, give them a chance at least. But the other problem I've got with Acrobat reviews is that some people go out of their ways and send you a, a physical copy of something. And it does cost them money. Yeah. Um, they're not made of money just like you, the other person sending us the Acrobat is not made of money also. Sure. But they think they, they, they go out of their ways to go and, and send you that document, uh, those, sure. those, that printed book. Um, and someone else just said, oh, just, just, you know, just clogs your email box with, uh, some file and, and hopes that you're going to give it the same, um, the same amount of respect as the person that mailed it to you. Yes. And yeah. it's not happening. Yeah. It's it just not happening. No. Someone who sends me something physically already that I'm late on a lot of reviews that I, were sent to me and mm-hmm. I feel bad. Uh, I'm definitely not going to review an Acrobat doc, uh, comic book before something some, that someone has sent me physically has spent money to send over to me so I could read it as a yeah. book. Uh, it, it's just not happening. <laughs> that would be wrong to do that. I agree. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's an interface issue too. I mean, it's, it's about... Um, the experience, I think, and I think yes. you know, a hard copy is definitely um, enhances the experience. Well, or if it doesn't enhance it, then the the digital copy in the Acrobat file detracts from the experience. <laughs> it does. 
mostly it's kind of strange. It's kind of funny. If I could put my, cause I've got a white screen. If I take, could take my white screen and flip it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And flip it. So just have a tall screen. <laughs> yeah. If I could do that, the comic would be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's not. They never fit completely in the page. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a pain. Uh, the, that's why the tablet is probably better for that. Yeah. Uh, the tablet is great because it's kind of a comic book format in a sense. Yeah, it really is. Um, so it works for that. But I still have to, a lot of, uh, swiping back and forth. Yeah. Um, um, but anyway, I, I think I've said it several times. As much of a geek I, I am, And I'm talking from experience because I do make apps and, and I'm into mobile, like hardcore. Um, I don't quite believe in mobile comics or digital comics, not web comics. Web comics are different. Yeah. Um, they usually fit, they're usually easier to read than what is known as a digital comic. Um, because obviously they're web based. So it, It, it usually fits better in, it's easier yeah, to they're, they're formatted for web viewing, so it's yeah. like, as long as you're on a browser, it's, shouldn't be a problem to, you know, view it as is intended. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, the digital comics are still kind of a conundrum in the industry because no one's really tried to reformat comic books for digital viewing. Well, we It's discussed like, that. Let's, let's throw existing comic books on there and, uh, you know, <laughs> people can zoom in and zoom out and voila, it's awesome. <laughs> But it's not. It's, uh, I mean, I guess there, there is some new stuff going on, like Mark Wade we were talking about uh, a couple weeks ago. And, yeah. Um, well, I got I a, uh, just today I got a press release from Archaia saying that they're signing a, a exclusive digital first thing with the Comixology. And oh, the, the the problem I've got with all of those guys is they're doing exactly the same thing when people start putting everything as paperbacks a couple of year, years ago. Uh -huh. uh, they're doing the same thing where they think it's going to save their ass and it's going to, it's not going to do, it's the format, putting it on an iPad, putting it on a phone, whatever, on a mobile, on a device, Making it digital will not save your company, will not save your comic book if the intrinsic value of the actual comic books are not there to begin with. Yeah. If you yeah. don't market your comic book properly, if you, if the content is of no interest to the potential market, putting it, making it digital will not increase the viewership, will not do anything for you, will only make money for the people giving you the platform to put it there. Yeah. You yourself as a publisher, as a creator, will not make any more money. You will not generate more readers. Yes, there will be a lot of people buying stuff from the iPad and so on, but the, they haven't, there's a, there's a marketing issue. There's a whole distribution issue. There's a whole, it's a, a product is, it's not, you built it and they will come. It's, that's not the way it works. Mm. If your comic doesn't have the intrinsic value, if it doesn't sell as a, as a, as a published, as a printed comic already, if it doesn't sell properly, it's not going to sell more as a digital. Web comics is a, is a whole different thing. Uh, even, but they have problems too. There's this whole marketing thing. There's this whole way of 
throwing stuff at people and making sure that you have a following and people are interested in your stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which is completely different than just putting it on comicsology or graphically yeah. or what. Or... Well, I mean, one thing that you could say for Arkea is they've really, um, I think they do have a good following now. They've got several, um, you know, Eisner Award nods and, uh, they do have some really good books. Uh, do you remember what titles they were going to put on there exclusively or? Uh, let me look at the press release. I probably got it okay. in front of me. Um, Uh, where's my, my email? <laughs> I'll tell you quickly. <laughs> um, oh, there's a phone in front of me. Maybe it's on the phone. Um, uh, let's see. I guess all everything. It's called digital first, so they're gonna put everything as a digital something before. Oh. The, before it comes out in print? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Uh, it's, it's called cannibalization in marketing. Yeah. <laughs> in products. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, they're gonna put everything on, uh, yeah, on the tablets and uh, all, everything. It's called cannibalization. Um, yeah. You basically, it's, you take your readers who's used to buying a print comic. Mm -hmm. And, those are the Slow, guys. Slowly force them to buy digital. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it makes a little bit of sense because it costs you less in terms of printing. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. Mm. But that's not a good marketing. That's not a good sales management program. You're not supposed to take a user away from one platform, you could call it, mm. and take him and bring him over there. You're yeah. When you make it your comic digital, you're supposed to gain new readers, not mm -hmm. take away from existing readers and just slowly bring them over to your new platform. Mm -hmm. If you do that, you have a mar you have a you're not sustainable as a company. Mm -hmm. You only open new channels to open new eyeballs, not moving eyeballs away. Yeah, and that's a problem. The whole industry has that problem right now. They're moving eyeballs. They don't get it. It's not, that's not, a, it's like the newspapers went to the same stupid thing, uh, where, where they would open up the digital version of their newspapers, <laughs> thinking that they would gain new readers. No, they didn't gain new readers. They just cannibalized their existing print subscribers <laughs> who then went and say, oh, well, I don't even have to pay. It's on the web now. I don't even have to, yeah. to get my <laughs> newspaper every morning. I can just log on just yeah. as I take my coffee at work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that, I mean, there's uh, there's something totally different, too, about comic books. I mean, I think there's something compulsive about comic book collecting and comic book reading, and there's something, um, you know, I don't mean this in a derogatory way at all, but there's something, you know, autistic about yeah. no, no, I comic books, you know? There, yeah. There's something, the statistical value of, of having a comic book collection and following things and... Um, yeah, I feel like uh, going to exclusive, uh, you know, digital um, series is, is kind of like an alienating thing. It's, well, it's not something that's going to... I don't know if they're going to cannibalize readers. Well, they're going to publish as, them so, as... So much as they're going to alienate them, you know? They are going to publish them physically, 
But from yeah. what I understand, it's gonna go. Everything's gonna be digital first. Yeah. And printed only after. Now, for the web comics, it works. A lot of web comics do that. They they publish uh, on the web, and then yeah. they publish the book. And apparently, the books usually sell quite well after that. But that's yeah. different. Mm -hmm. um, that's this is not the same thing. This is not something that was formatted for the web. Mm -hmm. it, like you mentioned, the format hasn't changed. It's still the old format, mm -hmm. but they're just throwing the the old format at you that you're supposed to be reading on the web or a tablet or something like that. And, and hoping, but I don't know. This is what you're supposed to be buying, but the format is just wrong. I don't want to buy a, a comic book formatted like a good old comic book on a tablet. I don't want that. Give me a web comic that's been fixed a web comic series I will follow and uh, so on that I will probably spend money on uh, but if it they don't there's a problem in that industry and they don't understand it seems that they're a bunch of chicken that their heads have been cut off and they're throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks and the people making those apps are making a lot of money with those are agreements and 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 they're not fixing anything. They're really. not. Fi they're actually not fixing anything, and they're not increasing the number of readers. Yeah. Um, there is good stuff in comics. There's good contents, and it's still not reaching out the the masses that could be interested in that stuff. And those companies are not doing. They're not. They're not even. They're only advertising. I mean, do you see Comicsology ads on the New York Times or USA Today? No. <laughs> you see them where? You see them on the re the, the regular, the usual suspects. Yeah, yeah. You don't see a Comixology ad on MTV. Mm. So where are they gaining those new readers? Yeah, They're advertising on Userama and the usual suspect. Mm. Are those new readers? No, they're... Ah, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> they're not new readers. They're the same old people reading print comics. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I've. It's it's interesting to me. Like, uh, I even wonder what the demographic is for for people that purchase um, digital comics at you know similar price points as print comics. That's that's dumb. You know, yeah, it's really stupid. And I mean, there's this whole, uh, you know, there's there's a there's a huge argument about it you know, between creators and publishers and, and readership because the creators want to get paid the same page rate, um, you know, no matter what format the book is going to be in or how much of the book sells digitally or, or in print, you know, and the publishers just want to make as much money as possible, <laughs> you know, and the fans say that a digital copy isn't worth two ninety nine, and it's not, you know, it would be... <laughs> It's not worth this. It doesn't have the same intrinsic value as a print copy because you're buying you're you're buying something that doesn't exist. Exactly. You, know? you can't even move it. Yeah, exactly. You can't even move it. No, this is actually. I mean, the, they save on the cost of publishing. That cost should be given back to the the, the, the reader, the yeah. consumer. 
Because this is what's gonna happen is that they're gonna they're gonna kill the golden goose. That's that's what's gonna happen. I mean, why would I buy the same stupid comic book for the same price when I could go to the store and get a physical copy? And if you know what, if, if in two years I want to get rid of my collection, I can put it on eBay and make up at least half of the money at least or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or I can give it as a gift. We gift it to someone else. You know, this. The value, as you mentioned, the intrinsic value of the actual printed product, I can actually do something with that. I can give it to you. I can sell it. Mm-hmm. I can make wall, comic book wallets out of it. You know, I can do whatever I want with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not even like um, iTunes, where you can burn your songs onto a CD and give it exactly. to somebody else. It's just on your Comixology app, and there's nothing you can do with it, you know? <laughs> Short of like, hey, read this. Here's my iPad that I spent $600 on. Well, you know what's going to happen, and that's going to kill the comicsology business model. Someone's going to figure out how to crack this thing, and they're going to yeah. crack it, and they're just, just going to release them to the public. If if, if it hasn't been done yet on uh, what is it called, uh, the iOS crack stuff, or what is it called? Yeah, yeah. If it hasn't well, you know, been done, well, you know what's funny yet. is um, I felt like I was reading a lot of. Well, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I was reading some pirated comic books when I was in Afghanistan. Because that was that was like hey, you're serving your country. You're you're, you have a right to. I should be allowed to read those, right? Yes. (laughs) So, anyways, uh, I felt like those. A lot of those were actually formatted really well um, to fit my laptop screen, at least. Um, And you know, there wasn't a whole lot of scrolling and and no swiping because the the comic reader that I was using was just a you know a click um, turn page. So it was. I, I actually really enjoyed it, and I thought it was formatted really well. And there was a that was something that somebody, you know, photocopied from a comic book and put up as a torrent or something, you know. So um, I, I don't understand how something like that could be easier to read than something you know that Comicsology has, <laughs> you know, developed and and. Uh, marketed and stuff it just blew, blows my mind i think it's comicsology is I, I don't know i i don't see them being very sustainable for long you know it's not going to be they're probably going to be bought by one of the big guys or by another company it's basically one of those uh, startup in in silicon valley i don't know them so i'm i'm right now i'm i'm, I'm just speculating yeah uh, tm <laughs> yeah none of what i'm saying is based on actual information that I've got. Mm-hmm. But the way it works with companies like that is that they're just looking for an exit. They're looking for a bigger guy to buy them, mm-hmm. to integrate them in the system. Maybe AOL is going to be buying them. Who knows? Someone like a big content ag- aggregator, uh, someone that wants to build a, a big, even bigger platform, they're going to sell mm-hmm. that they, and they're going to say, oh, look, look, we've got licenses from Marvel, DC, Arkea, Dark, all those guys. So we, this, this is our value. This is the actual value. Not the actual number of comics that they sell per week every mm-hmm. time that they come out. This is not the yeah. real value that they've got because they don't have a lot of users. Uh, they, they have a lot of advertising, which means they have VC money, venture capitalist money behind them. So basically, the venture capitalists, all they want to do is make sure that someone, uh, a bigger web company or a technological company like a Facebook or something like that buys Comixology uh, in the next six or six or months to two years. And that's the whole strategy. That's the whole business plan. They're not, it's not built to be a sustainable platform to replace, to take comics to a new level. 
It's just meant as a stopgap measure. And let's make a lot of money right now as much as we can. Let's get all the licenses from all the big comic book publishers existing. And this is the actual value that they have to sell to an investor, uh, not an investor, to a, a new company like a Facebook or some, uh, even a Yahoo, something like that. Yeah. Whoever wants to buy them or even a Netflix could be buying them, who knows, or AOL. Yeah. One of those guys could be buying them quickly. And that's the actual value that they've got. They don't have, it's not based on the numbers of comics that they sell month after or after month. Um, and this, I'm sorry for saying that the stupid people in the comic book industry don't even understand that this is the actual business model of comicsology. That comicsology is not here to make sure that comic book exists in comic form for the next generation. Mm-hmm. That's not what they're in. That's not what they do. That's not their business plan. It's just collecting as many names as possible and say, well, we publish books published by, uh, created by Frank Miller, Neil Gaiman, uh, yeah. Alan Moore. <laughs> That's the value uh-huh. of comicsology. It's mm-hmm. those names, those publishers, that list of account. And then someone, if you're Facebook, if you're Netflix, if you're AOL, if you're Yahoo, someone like that, Amazon, you don't want to go through the process of negotiating those deals with all of those 50 publishers again. Mm-hmm. Well, what you do is you buy Comixology tomorrow. Yeah. And then you've got the deal already signed in paper. So basically that's Comixology's business model, signing up as many people as possible. That's insane. Um, so it's, it's just... Does it make sense to you? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But it, I mean, that's so... Uh, I don't know, I guess fatalist, you know? <laughs> it's not fatalist. That's not... They're, they're not... It's going to take a Steve Jobs person to make comics work digitally. Yeah. Comicsology. Have you ever heard of any of the principles from Comicsology? I've heard of a few of them, but not very much. They're not, no, I, re- I really haven't. They're not putting them in front because that's not their whole plan. They're not, they're not like the guy from Twitter, like, uh, uh, the founder, the many Twitter founder or the many fa- Facebook founders or even the, those, the guy from Amazon. That's not what they're, that's not their business plan. That's not their game. Mm-hmm. They're not into creating a sustainable business thing. They're in it they for the next three. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're in it for yeah, the next I, three or four years get bought quickly by Netflix. Mm-hmm. Netflix gets all the license, all the agreements in place. Netflix then has the problem of figuring out what to do with this. But they've got the deal for a different distribution platform with all the content. Mm-hmm. They, they've, they've locked up all those guys. That digital first thing, they've locked up Arkea in a deal, in an agreement. Arkea is not stuck. If Disney buys Comixology tomorrow, Arkea is answerable to Disney. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I should be teaching this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you guys need to listen to the Comic Book Bin podcast more often. <laughs> yeah. This is real yeah. business insight. <laughs> we, should, we should have a Paul Revere ride. Disney is coming, Disney is coming. <laughs> I mean, does it make sense to you? Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. And I mean, that would explain why there is no innovation in that area, you know? They don't need to. It, it's just a company that's set up to be bought in six to months to two years. And they yeah. will be bought. Yeah. And whoever buys them will sign, will have all the licenses signed mm-hmm. and locked down with that distribution first. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, if I wonder if um, and if if I was Comicsology, here's a here's a big thing. I would also sign the web series type of a web, you know, web cartoon or whatever you want to call it, or motion comics. I would also yeah, sign the first comics. agreement on that. Yeah. So that when everything, every single comic book is published or as a cartoon, maybe we publish cartoon series out of those comics instead. If it comes out on Comixology, Comixology has first dip on on securing the what is it called the comic se- the 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 car- cartoon series web based mm-hmm. and then that's even more value oh my god well here's the thing i wonder if <laughs> something like um the dodd frank bill would like keep something like that from happening if if somebody like time warner or disney wanted to to buy comicsology I mean, I guess, you know, somebody like Netflix or one of the other big companies would be able to buy it still, but I, I mean, I would, I would think that they would be coming, you know, really close to a sort of like pop culture monopoly, you know? Yeah. If Amazon or Netflix buys Comixology and they have, and they made, the, and they, they, they had that last thing I mentioned where they have right. first dip for any, if it's published on Comixology first, they have first dibs for whatever web series or web cartoons or web something of their property. They have first dibs to it, which means that if they need to produce a, a, a cartoon series based on a, what their detective from Arkea, mm-hmm. Comicsology has first dibs or gets royalties from that, 10% royalties, if it's not published to Comicsology. One of those things. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why didn't I do that myself? <laughs> you should have, man. <laughs> Why didn't I do it myself? Why didn't I just? Well, not... I mean, like we were talking about there. Uh, well, I mean, since Comicsology isn't in the market for innovation, I mean, there's still tons of room for for other, you know, models for this. There's other. There's room for other models, but let. I hope that they don't have the first dip thing. If they have the first dip thing, all those publishers will be. If it's Marvel, uh, not Marvel. If it's uh, Time Warner or Disney or even Fox or uh, Vivendi, if it's one of those guys that buy them, all of those guys will be will become farm farm uh, studios. Yeah. For uh, whoever buys this. Yeah. Now, if if I were Google, if I were Facebook, if I were who else, Amazon, Netflix, and I wanted to have my own content, mm-hmm. I would probably buy Nick Comicsology tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. You heard it first at the Comic Book Bin podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so when when I read the headlines tomorrow morning saying Google has purchased Comicsology for one billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I'll know where the idea came from. <laughs> uh, well, if they have the first dip thing, if they're yeah. if comics if the guys at Comicsology are smart people, they will have the first dibs on whatever is published. Uh, but this because this is how Silicon graph uh, Silicon graphics Silicon Valley works. This is how they make those things. Those yeah. companies are not built to last ten years. They're, they're they're built to be bought by a bigger player in the next three to four years, or not even four years. I mean, Comixology has been here for three years already. It's a miracle that yeah. no one has bought them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Graphically last week who mentioned that they were going to stop, they were going to focus on publishing. They, 
same thing, same same gameplays in the in the works. Uh, but now I feel dumb because I put it, I, I've said it op- openly on the podcast, and I can't benefit from it anymore because I've actually said it. I've, I've put the whole business plan out there. <laughs> no. you, well, it's. I mean, I guess that's what comic book bin does. Yeah. We 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 put that information out there. And maybe yeah. I should be writing the article after I'm done with the podcast anyway. I'll put it out there because people will say, well, Comic Book Bin wrote it first. We said it. Yeah. Because yeah. Well, that's one thing. Because that's one of the problems in the comic book. There's no business analysis for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to, like, I didn't, well, actually, I learned that in school too. But, I mean, doing business analysis for an industry, um, there's not many, like, this ICVB, whatever it's called. That's about it. That that can that that where they have writers that can actually do business analysis on the actual comic book industry, but real analysis. Like where where is that all comicsology graphic something graphically, whatever all those things are going? Where is that business model going? What why is it there? There's not many people. They they rather they'd rather talk about Mark Wade's fight with Jeff Jones last month. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. They'd rather talk about stuff like that than talk about big stuff where all of the middle-sized comic book publishers, including the big two, are now becoming form. Uh, actually, probably Marvel and DC do not have the form thing. But anyone who signs, who signs the digital first distribution agreement with Comixology becomes a form of whoever buys Comixology tomorrow. Yeah. And if I was Amazon or Facebook or Netflix, one of those guys, mm-hmm. even Apple, I would buy them tomorrow morning. I would buy Comixology, so I buy it. So now if you're a smaller publisher or something like that, and you're, and Comixology is promising you advances to do the comic, the digital first, remember that whoever buys them, you will become their form studio. Is that what you want? You'll be enslaved. <laughs> is that what you want as a publisher, as a creator? Is that what you want? That yeah. your, your latest and greatest stuff because it's published first on Comicology and because they give you right now the first a bigger cut, is that what you want? Is that is that what the comic book bin is gonna? I mean, the comic book bin has been a farm for Hollywood for a couple of years now, but now someone's actually putting people inside a contract and making it that whenever they get bought, whoever gets the license, they have a de facto farm studio system built already. Um, and maybe there's a penalty if they don't even publish it as a digital. This is all screwed up. Oh my god, comic book industry has been the butt of jokes for so many years. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about all that stuff? I I think it's outrageous when I think about it. <laughs> yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, it's it really has become kind of like a. Uh, I mean. There's this, there's this, I guess, dialogue going on right now. I've been noticing it pop up here and there um, from creators and also, uh, you know, um, just readers that say, oh, I don't even follow characters anymore. I just follow writers. And I'm like, well, that shouldn't be it either. I mean, you should be following, you shouldn't be following anything. You should be you know, doing some research and finding out what's worth reading and then going and reading it. Yes. Because I've, I've followed creators before and it's like, why am I following this guy? Because 
every once in a while he writes something completely brilliant, but all of his other stuff is garbage. I mean, it's uh, it's turned into like this kind of um, a commodity. Well, maybe yeah. I guess it's always been kind of like a cult thing, but now it's like uh, all of the creators are these kind of you know um, celebrities in their own right, and we we kind of follow them almost like other people would follow you know tabloids. Well, you know what I would answer to that? Um, you know what? My answer to that would be that this is a, this is where the business opportunity for Comic Book Bin and similar site is that if we do a good job, we're going to inform potential readers that there's other stuff out there that they need yeah. to try. If we do our job properly, uh, because we're the buffer uh, between the readers and the publishers... If if we have the open mind ourselves and we do the research and we do the the duty, the, if we do the work, like for example, when we do the the Thai the Thai comic or the Malaysian series, and maybe some of those guys, like some 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 publisher here is gonna go over there someday uh, and gonna go survey who's there and gonna bring the stuff back, trans get it translated, get all the licenses in English, and then sell it to the North American market. Uh, this is what, this is a business opportunity, or this is the opportunity for us to do our job right. I would say mm -hmm. that we go out there and we find the stuff that people need to be reading, need to be talking about. Yeah. Which means we take a hit on not reviewing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, and AVX. Mm -hmm. um, it we we definitely take a hit when we don't cover those books. On the side, we we take a hit. We don't get the same numbers when we don't cover Marvel. Uh, when I used to write a ton of Marvel reviews and DC reviews, we we had, in a sense, it's it's tough to say because we could do like uh, the other sites and go for the easy numbers. Uh, because I mean, they do bring. When I look at the stats, um, the Marvel review that we'll do uh, will bring automatically five times more readers than whatever else image from image that we review. Yeah. No effort. Mm -hmm. um, it will bring more people automatically. Which is, which is depressing because I mean, I know I just said that uh, I reviewed a, an image book um, that I thought was pretty poorly made. Yeah. But I, I mean, most of the stuff that I read from image is really um, brilliant content. I mean, it's, it's stuff that needs to be read and it's, some of the stuff is vastly superior to, um, you know, most of the Marvel or DC stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the reason that we don't, uh, review as much, as many, uh, DC and Marvel titles is because we have found something better usually, you know? <laughs> yeah. If I'm, if I'm not reviewing Avengers versus X-Men, it's because I'm either reviewing, um, you know, something from Image or something from Vertigo or, uh, you know, something else. Every once in a while I, I review some Marvel and DC books, but I feel like uh, the majority of things that are worth reading in the comic book industry come from uh, smaller publishers. So, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of sad that uh, <laughs> the stuff that we think is actually worth reading is, is getting less hits on the site, but I guess that's the way it goes. Um, well, it's always been like that. 
even from the beginning. Yeah. Um, but then I would say that's how could I say? Um, do we want the easy numbers, or, or do we want to do our job? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you want? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's like, I don't even know how I would uh, go about reviewing for easy numbers, you know, because I don't, uh, you know, I haven't been connecting really well with, um, you know, the, the Marvel or DC events or the big books. Um, well, I mean, I just wrote, I wrote an article, uh, was it last month, about Scott Snyder's Batman and how I, I was actually really starting to get disappointed and aggravated with it. <laughs> Like, it's just gotten to the point where I think everything that I'd be reviewing would be like a five or six out of ten, you know? Well, you probably noticed that I can actually review those books. uh, Mm. um, Well, the way I approach any comic, um, but maybe it's because I've been doing it for, for, I guess, for ten years, so that... um, for me, it's it, it's 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 basically work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there are there is a a lot of people in our audience that do want to get informed, and we do have a, a different way of spinning it, of informing them about stuff like uh, AVX or whatever. Um, the reviews that they're gonna read at the bin are never gonna be the same one that they read elsewhere. Mm. Um, we will take chances where no one else, like they'll, like you mentioned earlier, they'll trash the book a bit, but they'll give it a four out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll actually give it a one out of five if it deserves a one out of, out of five. Um, and but the other thing which I try to do, especially these days, is even if I, like for, I'm not the audience for Archie, or I'm not the audience for Amazing Spider-Man. Like mm-hmm. I don't get the same enjoyment out of those books as some other stuff. Yeah. But there is a way of, uh, for me, at least I would say, reviewing it, doing a professional job of reviewing this book and highlighting what's good oh, about yeah. it for the proper audience <laughs> and not making it about myself, about me, not about my personal taste. Yeah. Uh, well, for some of my taste all over the map anyway, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> because I've given a lot of mainstream superhero comic book 10s and 9s and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I really think that they deserve it. If it's good, it's good. If it's not good, it's not good. Um, so I yeah, I, I I agree with you uh, completely. I mean, there is a way to kind of uh, look at things objectively. I mean, I had gotten a bunch of um, you know books for kids from one guy had mailed me. A, you know, speaking about mailing stuff, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he had mailed me a bunch of books, and they were for like pre-teens or young teens, I mm-hmm. think. And um, that was, that was something that I had to do. I had to force myself to put myself in a mindset where I would be like, okay, you know, I'm not a 24 year old man right now. I'm <laughs> you know, somebody who is in the demographic that this book is aimed at. And uh, I really, you know, I thought they were really well written and I thought that they, they really catered to that demographic um, perfectly, so I gave them a pretty good review. 
And I mean, like I like you said, I've given um, mainstream superhero stuff uh, ten out of ten and nine out of ten, and um, but uh, it's just you know fishing for for numbers. Like you said, it's work, and that's <laughs> something that I mean for me, uh, comic books is kind of like a a labor of love. You know, reviewing comic books and reading comic books, and I don't I don't know if it'll ever seem like work to me. Well, so. When I say work, um, what I mean by work, I don't mean that, uh, uh, I don't mean, uh, I guess sometimes, when I'm, when I'm jaded, I just don't review Marvel. I mean, like, uh, right now, I guess I, you could say I'm jaded by Marvel and DC. Yeah. So I just don't review them, but I do other type of articles, other type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to cover in the comic book industry that doesn't have to be Marvel, DC, or like your regular comic review. There's a lot I can do else. That's different, and I'm trying yeah. to do that uh, every day. It's not easy. I'm mm-hmm. trying to find those other things that I really want to talk about that are deserve mention. Um, mm-hmm. But m- when I say it's work for me, it, it's more maybe in the sense that, um, like the professional, well, the, you already have that quality yourself. It's it's a professional. It, you're a professional. It's not about bitching about. Well, sometimes I do bitch about Bendis and so on and Jeff Jones, but I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's about the professionalism that you bring to it. So, and I always use the example of Archie Comics. When I review an Archie Comics, I know these things are not made. For, they're definitely not made for me. <laughs> it's it wasn't written for me. I'm not supposed to be reading this stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of um, I don't know, whatever. But for the audience, if I can step out of my own body, you could say out of body experience, <laughs> just like you mentioned. Um, and actually review it for what it is. Because those comics, in a sense, just like those Simpsons comics, uh, it's funny because I try to cover the Simpsons comics and even kids comics, all the, the Disney line, and the problem is that I can't sustain it every week. The, the, that's the problem because I, I, I'm going to... I mean, I can do once in a while, review a Simpsons comic or a Family Guy comic, I've done so, or an Archie comic, but I, I, I can't review them continuously because they're just not bringing enough I don't know what to say about them after a while yeah yeah it's just not interesting enough to you I guess yeah yeah but, I, mean, I can totally get that but if I do a review about those I'll review it for the audience it's meant to be read by. yeah yeah and I think that's fair um, so that's what I mean when I say it's work mm-hmm. um, Especially these, I try to find something good about it for the people that are really targeted. Mm-hmm. Although I would say that no one, comics are not even targeted anymore. They're just thrown out. People throw stuff at the wall and say, uh, for example, like what I mean by targeting is, for example, the good targeting, if the companies were doing that, someone who picks up Ghost Rider probably has, is part of a specific demographic sub demographic group which is completely different than the guy who picks who picks up amazing spider-man or the yeah. person who picks up x-men now i'm gonna mm-hmm. say some generalities here i assume that the person who picks up x-men has more grease in their hair or gel in their hair <laughs> yeah. than the guy who picks up ghost rider mm. i assume that the guy who picks up ghost rider maybe i'm making i'm making cliche but i mean this is how you target this is what targeting is mm. i'm assuming that the guy who picks up uh, what is it called? Who picks up uh, Ghost Rider? Probably has maybe has a couple of earrings or something like that, 
and mm. maybe uh, something, uh, some hard rock band, something like that, heavy metal T-shirts in his collection. <laughs> yeah. This is what targeting is. Now, yeah. I don't assume that the person buying X-Men has earrings at all. And I assume that they probably buy stuff at the Gap or something close to that. Mm. Now, if the guy, that that person had to buy stuff at the Gap, I don't think that they'll be reading Ghost Rider. Mm. Um, the, does it make sense when I talk about targeting in that way? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Same I mean, company. I mean, it's all it's all Marvel. Yeah. yeah. But And that's to reach out to those audiences to sell those comics. This is what people need to do to understand that the guy who reads Ghost Rider, the person who reads Good or Wonder War, mm-hmm. are not the same person. And yeah. people think that everyone, uh, everyone who goes to the comic book store is the same demographic, type, of basic nerdish, geeky person. No, they're yeah. not. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because it's uh, I've definitely noticed. I mean, even. I guess there's a large group of people at the comic store on, on Wednesdays, you know, when I go. But it's so diverse. Yes. You see people in, in business suits, you know, that are just off of work. Or, um, you know, if you go to, in the afternoon, they're on their lunch break or whatever. Um, you see people that are, they look like uh, they're straight out of Scott Pilgrim, you know, they're super trendy hipsters. Yep. <laughs> you see uh, guys that look like um, the comic book guy from The Simpsons. Yes. <laughs> you know, and then... Um, Someone like me who is just a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy, you know, it's looks pretty average and unassuming. <laughs> so it, it's a pretty wild mix, I think. And girls too. I mean, yeah, it's not <laughs> people don't people don't believe that, but there are girls that shop around in comic book stores. So. Yeah. So if the companies were smart, they would start doing targeting like that. Um, mm-hmm. And there's ways of doing the, the targeting. Um, I, I once told that to the guy, uh, John Kuda, f- from uh, the guy who does all the PR and the marketing for a lot of the smaller publishers. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, if you had a giveaway where you said, send us a, a picture of yourself uh, after you bought this comic and we'll post it on the blog or we'll give you a free sign issue. Mm-hmm. And then you get all those people to send you pictures um, or you even ask them just to make sure you know them. Put your favorite T-shirt on, and <laughs> take your picture with your pet. <laughs> and, or, and, Interesting. And take your picture with your girlfriend and your pet, and something like that, and be mm. in your favorite restaurant. Wow, that's targeting. Uh, so that's digging pretty deep there. Well, that's the way you do it. That's yeah. how you do it as a marketer. Mm-hmm. So and you promise them something. You give them something. You say, okay, if you do that, I'll, I'll put, I'll, I'll give you a free something. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get all those pictures, you notice that the, all the people with red, a lot of people with red hair, uh, were wearing uh, I don't know Gap t-shirts, uh, Gap or polo shirts or Arrow shirts or something like that. Mm-hmm. You notice that other people have earrings. You notice that a lot of them have gel. You know, mm-hmm. then you look at the girlfriends that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are jocks and so on. Some of them are not. Some of them are nerds. Some, um, and you look at the dogs that they have. Some of them have pit bulls. Some of them have uh, chihuahuas and so on. Mm-hmm. And and then you look at the restaurant where they took the picture in or the store they took the picture in. Uh, and then you say, oh, okay. Uh, um, I don't know. 
Maybe it's a lingerie store or maybe it's mm. something else, you know, maybe it's a, a hardware store or something like mm. that. And just from that info, and let's say you have enough people, you have a thousand of your fans sending you those pictures. You look at the pictures and, and you give them all as a lot of crap, free crap or stuff, you know, you give them stuff. Yeah, swag. Yes. <laughs> But you look at the pictures and you look who sent me something who bought my comic. Oh, yeah. they all have grease in their, well, okay, gel. Mm -hmm. They all wear polo shirts. Mm -hmm. And they were, they all took their picture at, I don't know, Boston Pizza. Uh, well, you guys don't have a, Eastside Mario's. Do you guys have that over in the States? Um, I'm not familiar with it. Uh, okay, not Eastside Mario's, but it's, it's one of those, uh, grill, pasta type of place okay, yeah. that you find in big malls and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So you notice that and then you look at all their dogs and you see they're all, uh, I don't know, Dobermans or I don't know, Labradors, whatever it is, Golden Retrievers. Yeah. You can infer so much information about their who those readers of yours are. And did you have to send a survey? No. I mean, you can use surveys too, but you've got actual, what's called in marketing, real data. Yeah. You've got real, you actually have their pictures. Mm -hmm. And you know if they're from the Midwest, if they're from East Coast, West Coast, Canada, Florida, Texas, you know where they're from too. Yeah. And you notice a pattern in, you all know that they all look the same. Um, what if Marvel did that with Ghost Rider, Spider-Man, X-Men, Avengers, mm -hmm. and then got all the pictures? Okay, all of the guys who sent us pictures from Ghost Rider all look like this. They all have mm -hmm. leather coats and stuff like that, earrings or whatever. They, they have, they color their hair. They put products. Uh, I mean, they, they have blue hair, mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, earrings or yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. This is how you, you break. No one has ever done that in comics, but this is how you get to know who reads your stupid comic books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is how you do more. This is marketing 101. This is, you break it down and you actually have feedback of who buys what. And you ask them also, take a picture with your phone too. We want to see what kind of phone you have too. Yeah. <laughs> What about the data, the, the amount of data that they would get? And they funny, this is the face of the person who buys Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. This is what they look like. The typical Spider-Man readers, this is what he looks like or she looks like. How difficult from that, once you know that they look, maybe it's a jock. I'm just making excuse. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, Let's say people who buy Spider-Man are all jocks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then you know how to target the, uh, you know who they are. So now you know, well, if I want to sell more Spider-Man, I need to target jocks. Yeah. Where do I find we, them? We I need to them. give Peter Parker more wedgies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know where to find those guys. I know where to, I, I know what magazine they, those people, they, you, they, maybe they read Maxim. I don't know what they read, whatever they read. Yeah. But then you know exactly what, what they look like. Mm -hmm. Now you notice that all the people who buy Vertigo, they all look goth or emo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that a gold mine? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think you're, I mean, well, <laughs> yeah, it's something that I feel like <laughs> the comics across the board in the mainstream feel like they are targeted at... Um, what, a group of people who just go to a comic book store? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel like it, it's, there's not like a specific, um, what do I want to say, like atmosphere to any one comic book, you know, that would... Um, intrigue somebody who was goth or somebody who was you know com just a complete nerd or somebody you know i mean it's um or maybe yet maybe here's the, the here's the way they could do it even better if they're big if but the thing is that they will never do it because they don't want to spend their money they're too cheap for that <laughs> if you're marvel and dc you can actually pull that off you see you get all your comics you go to the comic store and you put a pic you put a camera at the counter And you ask the comic store to film people or to take pictures of all the people buying their comics. Mm -hmm. And then you give them the camera, you give them the equipment, and in exchange for that, you give them the comics for free for the month. Wow. <laughs> well, it's worth it. The, the, the yeah. data, the amount of data of everyone who goes to the comic book store and take a picture of them and then send, you give them the equipment, you send all that equipment back to DC or Marvel. The data, the amount of information that you get, you get to see who buys your comic. Mm -hmm. it, I think it's worth it giving away those comics for the whole month of May or whatever to all the comic book stores who participate and have the data set and know these are people who buy comics. We have finally put a picture on those people. We know what they look like now. Yeah, yeah. And they would be surprised probably. <laughs> they would be surprised. You know? Um, why don't they do things like that? But the thing is that you need to be a DC or Marvel to pull that off with the comic book store. And they can afford... Uh, you, you're going to tell me that the, the comic book store will not take... In exchange for that, like, they, they get some video equipment, some camera equipment installed, how to install it with all like, a kit. And you're going to tell me that they're not going to... In exchange for getting all their comics for the month for free, and they can... So they make a profit out of those comics that they sell to you? Because they got them at a big discount of almost for free. Mm -hmm. And you're going to tell me that they're, gonna, they're not going to do it? And give you back the data on who exactly buys comics so you can actually put a picture uh, uh, on their face? Like, you you know who, what they look like? Mm -hmm. But this well, is... I wonder, I wonder, like, um, during conventions when they actually have FaceTime with fans, if they're actually recording any data. No, they're not <laughs> smart enough. <laughs> <laughs> not prepared enough, huh? But this is basic marketing. This is... You think Apple doesn't do that? Yeah, yeah. They even they have focus group. They have stuff. They know who buys their stuff. It's not like... Why is it that people know right now that if you have an iPhone, you're a different demographic group than if you have an Android phone? <laughs> how do how do, does uh, Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile and Sprint know that? Yeah. Why, why do they know that... To sell the invasion of privacy, right? <laughs> no, that's I mean, how they know it. <laughs> what I mean is that they've done the research. They know that. Yeah. People who like to look good. Okay, for example, I'm just making another basic, another broad statement. If you're metrosexual, you're probably more likely to have an iPhone than an Android. Mm -hmm. That's actually true, but yeah, that's actually a real. That's actually a real thing. If you're a metrosexual, or even if you're gay, you're more li more likely to have. Uh, an iPhone mm -hmm. than an Android. If you're mm -hmm. a geek, you're more likely, or if you're a little bit of a penny pincher, you're probably more likely to have an Android phone. Mm 
there are so many like what why do we know that people who have blackberries are probably more suits or office people except for yeah. the kids who use it they, to text they were they were giving they were given their blackberries by their their office yes <laughs> so why do we know all of that so, so why this industry like the the mobile industry they, they they're able to collect that info they know who when they release a phone they know exactly who it's gonna who's gonna be buying it they know how many of those guys that there are. They know how to sell it to them. They know how to make the commercial that appeals to those guys and girls. Yeah. Why isn't it the same thing for comics? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've we've talked about a lot of problems in the comic book industry today. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll talk about plenty more. But um, yes, I guess we should probably wrap wrap up for t- for the <laughs> for the week. <laughs> I think it's a great podcast today. I think so too. I think there's a lot of uh, <laughs> good content in this one. Uh, by the but, way, if you're reading Comic Book Ben, remember to go download our apps. They're all free. Uh, the iPhone app is right now in review um, with Apple. Uh, the the latest version of the iPhone app, uh, the Comic Book Ben app, is right now with under review with Apple. So. If everything goes well with Apple in a couple of weeks, I guess, not even a couple of weeks, a couple of days, it will be approved. And uh, there, there's more features. There's a few more features, notifications, finally. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, be on the lookout for that. But you can you can already download the existing version. And uh, as soon as the new version is ready, you'll get an update from Apple telling you that you can download the new version. Uh, so yeah, please go download our apps. They're all free. Yeah, any other commercial I want to say? No, uh, but I'm an adventurer on uh, Twitter, and Dan is obviously Dan underscore Horn, and Dan, it's all yours now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks for uh, joining us again this week, and um, we promise we'll have some guests on next time, but uh, I hope that you enjoyed our conversation today in lieu of guests, and um, have a great week, and we'll see you all again in a few days. Cool. See ya. Bye.